welcome to another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. What's up, everybody? Steve here, just saying what's up, as always, before the episode. I hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. I hope everybody is doing well. What have we been watching? What have we been doing? Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. Hit us up on Instagram. Let us know what you're doing. Let us know what you're watching. What have we been watching? My wife and I, as we were working on a puzzle the other night, watched The Phantom with Billy Zane. Boy, that's a interesting movie. Kind of bad, kind of good, kind of all around. We just finished season two of Umbrella Academy, and boy, am I excited for uh, whatever they have to offer with season three. Uh, that's obviously available on Netflix. The Phantom, if you'd like to watch it, is available on Amazon Prime. Other movies I watched this week, uh, well, last week, was uh, The Dark Knight and SWAT. And that's a little bit of a tease. I mean, it's not a tease because we already said it on the episode. But have you checked out the new podcast that I'm doing with former guest of the show, Travis Johnson? This week at the box office, you should definitely go check it out. We're talking about movies that were number one in the box office. We're talking about them the week that they were number one in the box office. So go check it out this week at the box office. Other than that, we're going to get right into this episode. We brought Marty York. You know him as Yeah Yeah from The Sandlot. And this says part one, but I'm just letting you folks know this is the only episode Marty is on. Why does it say part one though? Hmm. Could I have other people from The Sandlot coming on the show? Could I already have those episodes recorded? Could they just be waiting to be released? They are! I have, and I'm not even going to tease you, two. I have two other Sandlot boys right now. Uh, very excited about those. They're going to be out in a couple weeks, though. I'm going to put some ones in between there just to give it a little, a little break. I don't want to overdo you on the Sandlot. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the show. Thank you all for coming on this continuous journey with me every single week. I love you all. Uh, hit us up. Let us know. Rate and review on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 88. And when this thing hits 88, shit's going to happen. That's our Back to the Future. Tip the veal. Try the staff. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. Steve here, and I have another fun episode with me. Today, I have an actor. He's been acting since a child. He's still acting today. You might know him as Yeah Yeah from The Sandlot. Today, I bring Marty York. Marty, how are we doing? What's up, guys? How you doing? Uh, doing very well. How are you doing today? Doing all right, man. Uh, you know, surviving the, the pandemic, being quarantined. So uh, <laughs> best we can, best we can. I, uh, I've just been doing a lot of front yard, backyard work, all the things that I wasn't able to do, you know, when I had the nine to fiver. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. You get, you get a lot more done. You absolutely <laughs> do. Uh, it's good to know uh, that, that you're staying well, you're staying healthy uh, during these crazy uh, times. Uh, but with that, thank you for doing the show, and we're going to hop right in with a question I love to start with. Have you ever walked out of a movie in the movie theater? Wow. <laughs> I've never gotten that question. Have I ever walked out of a movie in a movie theater? 
I have actually the funny thing is I just saw <clears throat> um, the Birds of Prey okay. uh, film. I watched it at home actually during the quarantine, and I turned it off about. I would say 30 minutes into the film. It was probably one of the worst films I ever saw. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, 30 minutes in. Uh, I saw that one in the theater, uh, so I'm, I'm familiar yeah. with it. Uh, what was the breaking point? What was, what was the, the, the thing that made you just turn around and, and turn it off? Uh, I mean, it was just over-the-top cheesy. It okay. was almost like watching a... <clears throat> to me, it was almost like watching like a B-movie. It okay. was... Uh, it, I was like, uh, 30 minutes in, I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> All right. No, I feel, I feel you. It's, uh, I, I, I went in, I had a friend that had seen it beforehand. So I knew going in that it was, it was overly campy. The best way it was described to me is Harley Quinn is essentially like the female Deadpool of the movie where she's breaking the fourth wall and she's being quippy and she's trying to be funny. Um, so that's now, Deadpool. That's, I did like Deadpool is oh, awesome. Yeah, Deadpool Deadpool's is like that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, did you were you a fan of Deadpool? People seem kind of split on that one. Oh yeah, I love Deadpool. I mean that that movie made sense. I mean I I grew up like reading comic books and X Men comic books and uh, I mean Ryan Reynolds just played that that part to a T. But I think the Birds of Prey to me was just kind of poorly written. Uh, it just didn't seem like, uh, I, I don't know. It didn't seem like it was well-written to me. Okay. I mean, I like Margot Robbie, but I think that movie sucked. Sure. Sure. Uh, and that one, that one did get a lot of bad reviews in the theater. Uh, so you are, you are among the, uh, the majority of it when it comes to that film. Uh, and I will say of movies that people have walked out of, uh, of all the guests I've had, that is, is by far the most recent film. So it's, it's good to know that they're, still making quality products today that people are willing to walk out of. <laughs> yeah. Um, with, with that, um, this would be the opposite end of the spectrum because that's a film you can't stand. Uh, and I always like to ask, what's a film that you could watch every day? What's a film you love so much that you have no problem just putting it on, no questions asked? Um, well, my favorite film is Shawshank Redemption. That's, uh, that's an incredible movie. I think it's one of the best. I think it is one of the best movies ever made. Uh, second would be Godfather. Um, Godfather is not a film I'd really like to watch every day. Sure. Uh, it's a long movie. <laughs> uh, Scarface, love Scarface. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Shawshank, I could watch that. I've literally seen that movie probably like 80 times. Okay. And that's, that's a good one. Uh, it did not, not the first time it's been mentioned on this podcast. Uh, so obviously a great film uh, based off of the short story by Stephen King. Uh, and it's got a spectacular cast. Tim Robbins, uh, Morgan Freeman, William Sadler, uh, Clancy Brown. Uh, so many great things with that film. Uh, not to mention <clears throat> the iconic, uh, you know, Norma Jean poster up on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that, you also mentioned Godfather. You also mentioned Scarface. Uh, two great films. Uh, I just recently found out, and I'm not sure if you would know this, uh, that Francis Ford Coppola actually had to fight tooth and nail for everything that he, he had in the film. They didn't want James Caan to play Sonny. They wanted Sonny's death to be completely different than what it was in the, the, the way it was going to be in the film. And he just had to fight for everything uh, to make that film. And I'm so glad that he did. 
because Hollywood with this, with the way Hollywood comes in and can change things, you know, can just completely ruin films. So. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, let the directors do see their vision and, you know, do direct it the way they want. I mean, for Sandlot, there was, it could have been a lot different for Sandlot because the, uh, David was a very young director. David Mickey Evans, our director, when he directed Sandlot, I think he was like 24 when he directed that movie, which is uh, insanely young. I mean, I've even heard, you know, from different things I've done in film schools, they talk about David Mickey Evans as one of the youngest directors of like this great film. And uh, they actually, they set, they sent producers from Fox to change things in the movie. And they sent one producer in, in general, Kathleen Summers. Uh, she's a good friend of mine to this day. And she's the one that said, nope, let David do it the way he wants to do it. He has this goal in mind. So if it wasn't for her, the movie might have been a lot different. So we got to give it up to Kathleen Summers because she, she really uh, made Sandlot what it is, you know, and, and let David do his thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and, and with that, you bring up the Sandlot, uh, 1993. Uh, it's a film that, that people of my age uh, hold near and dear. Uh, it's a great childhood film. It's a great sports film. Uh, it's a great, uh, you, could even, you could even say, you know, mystery suspense film with what comes behind with, with the dog and everything. Uh, how was that experience for you? Uh, do you have any fun stories that you can share with the listeners of, of things that happened on filming with that? Yeah, I mean... When I got Sandlot, I was 12 years old, and uh, I was a, a kid that I, I'd grown up doing plays. So I, I grew up uh, in Northern California in a small town called Grass Valley, like pretty much doing plays in a small theater. And I'd done uh, probably six or seven different plays, and um, my mom moved me out to Los Angeles when I was about 10, and uh, the first thing that... I did was a, it was a movie with John Candy called Delirious. Okay. And yeah, it was actually, uh, my, my aunt was at that time working for an extras casting agency company. So she got me cast as an extra in that film. So that was like the first thing I ever did. And I remember I met John Candy when I was, when I was 10 years old. And he, uh, that, that, he, he, he said some stuff to me that like just changed everything for me. Um, he basically signed his, his autograph on a piece of toilet paper and gave it to me. And, uh, you know, I talked to him for a little bit. He was a cool guy. And, uh, he said, you're going to go far in this business. And, um, after that I did, uh, after that, uh, I got an agent. I did like a Colgate commercial, Colgate toothpaste. Um, and then they called me back to do a ragu spaghetti sauce commercial to play like a little Italian kid playing bocce ball in this commercial. So I got those. And then after that, my mom was like, oh, well, at that time, we were still driving back and forth from Sacramento. We still lived in Sacramento. We were commuting about eight hours to go back and forth. So uh, my mom was like, oh, let's just move here. This is easy. And then once we moved here, it was like extremely hard. We were basically broke. We were like staying and living in somebody else's house in one of their rooms. My mom rented out one room and I was sitting on the floor. And uh, Sandlot came along. I auditioned for it twice. Uh, I got cast as Bertram at first. Okay. So I was cast as Bertram. And then we all went out to the field because the producers wanted to see our chemistry. So we went out to play baseball. 
at this field here in Los Angeles. And they wanted to see our chemistry throwing the ball around and stuff. And uh, the producers called me and my mom over and they said, uh, hey, we've got some news. Like, uh, we found it and somebody else will play Bertram. So I was like, oh, that's it. That goes my, you know, I'm not going to do this film. They said, we have, uh, we have another part in the movie uh, for Yeah, Yeah. It's a, it's a bigger part. And it's, uh, it's a, a character you have to be very hyper. We need, we need a lot of energy. Your character's tons of energy. So uh, my mom gave me a giant Hershey's bar, one of those yeah. giant ones that are like this big, before I auditioned for Yeah Yeah. So uh, I, ate, I ate it. I went in there, and I remember uh, David and Mickey Evans and some of the producers stepped up and started clapping, and I was like, all right, you know, this is a – I think I'm Yeah Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was an awesome experience. It was um, – three months in utah over the summer of 1992 we shot that film and we i remember more off-camera stuff um things like you know we snuck into basic instinct when it first came out <laughs> nice actually tom guyry who played smalls his brother snuck us into basic instinct and uh you know because everyone was talking about you got to see this film like you know it was like you got to see the first scene you know you go uh, Sharon yeah. Stone crosses her leg. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we uh, we snuck into that, and then we just did so many fun things off camera. Like there was a, a mall in, um, in in Utah that had uh, an arcade and had one of those gravitrons that you know those UFO looking things. Yeah. And uh, batting cages, and um, you know, we just all had fun together. You know, doing that. Sure. That's. Uh, that's great, and uh, and I, I I follow most of you on uh, on Instagram, so I see uh, you all still kind of hang out, talk. Uh, I know you guys just all did a, that big uh, push up challenge that was going around. You obviously had yeah. no challenge doing the push up challenge. <laughs> yeah, I saw Ber- I saw uh, I was about to call him Bertram. I saw Grant do that. He really challenged us, and then we had to match the challenge. So we yeah. uh, I, I just show these guys what's up, you know. <laughs> no, of course. It's funny I, I, I think this is the first time in a long time I haven't seen the guys, you know, for this long because we travel around the United States, we do signings, and uh, I was seeing them like every month. We were doing at least one signing every month. Um, 2019, we had maybe two signings a month, three signings a month. And then 2018, we did the 25th anniversary where we did all the baseball stadiums in the United States. Yeah. So, uh, so it's like, I've seen these guys so much, you know, we actually got sick of seeing each other for a while. I'm like, I'm sick of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, but, cool. but yeah, I, I, it's a movie that, you know, I've been watching for as long as I remember. <clears throat> Came out when I was 11 years old uh, and, and talking about it in just a, a recent episode. Uh, it's a movie that you can always put on regardless of who's in the room. It's a movie for kids. It's a movie for adults. It's a movie for seniors. There's always something that you can love. There's nothing, there's nothing ever, you know, really offensive in the movie. And it's, it's just a good roundabout loving film. Well, nowadays people might think differently about the offensiveness of the movie because, you know, calling, uh, saying you play ball like a girl or uh, saying shit or saying you pee drink and crap face or like, you know, sure. Nowadays, but- People might get offended by that. <laughs> possibly, possibly. But I don't think anyone could ever get offended by an L7 weenie. Yeah, that, I don't think they get offended by that. But, you know, 
I'm sure people but, will get offended by you play ball like a girl. So what are you girl. saying? Girls can't play ball. <laughs> Uh, one final question uh, I'll ask about the Sandlot before we go to the next question. Uh, Yaya is known for the great scene of being pulled up and then uh, lifted over the uh, to the next yard and lowered on down. Uh, what was that experience like on, on set? Uh, I mean, it obviously wasn't just children pulling you up to the other side. Yeah, no, it was a... Uh, I actually did that stunt. Uh, it was a harness that was made of fiberglass and it's funny i still have it at my mom's house it's uh it's about this big <laughs> so like when i put it up against my chest now it's literally like this on me because i yeah. weighed like 105 pounds that movie uh but they they put that on me and then they put a catcher's um outfit over that so you couldn't see that fiberglass and then there was uh wires steel wires that were connected to the uh the guy's Basically, the guys on the crew were pulling it up and down. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I was about 25 feet in the air when we shot that. And nowadays, that they would not let a kid do that. Like <laughs> back then, back then the 90s, maybe. But like nowadays, they'd be like, no way. There's so many liabilities. But I mean, I did a lot of stunts in that movie. There's a stunt where we all jump out of the treehouse after it explodes, and sure. I I ride down in the bucket. And I actually hurt my leg doing that because that treehouse was really, really high in the air. So, uh, I mean, I'm standing inside this bucket with just a rope, literally going down. This <laughs> thing. And it was crazy. It was uh, it was actually pretty dangerous. But, uh, yeah, the, the scene where I go over the fence, uh, that was, uh, yeah, that, that was dangerous, too. The dog head was, uh, was crazy because the dog head was huge. I mean, it was this giant dog head, Jim Henson Muppet head. Yeah. And it had drool coming out of its mouth, drools coming out of its eyes, nose. It looked like a real dog. Um, so that was pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, that scene was fun to film. That, there's actually two variations of that scene. One was cut out of the movie, uh, but they actually were gonna, yeah, yeah, I was gonna leave halfway through the film. Um, after I come face to face with the beast, I crap my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, uh, they actually lifted me up and then I, they lower me and I crap my pants and then I walk out and they actually put bags of dog food in my pants to make <laughs> me walk weird. And the director's like, no, this is horrible. No, he, he like, he changed. He's like, we can't do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a scene that was cut out. I'm glad because that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> sure. And that's something that I'm sure uh, if it had been in the film, you never would have, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, I just lost my words. You never would have uh, let they, the guys would have never let you forget about it. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, would have, I would have been the one guy that left in the middle of the film. But uh, no, nah, it was uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad the way it turned out. And I'm glad David's vision turned out the way it did. And uh yeah i mean it, it came out good absolutely absolutely uh and this kind of goes into our next question uh you did this you said that you were uh 12 years old when you did this uh so what's a movie that takes you back to a, a more youthful time kind of your to your childhood um well when, so when i first came to la i saw terminator 2 and i was like i mean i wanted to be john connor and i styled my hair like him and uh, I was just so into Terminator 2. It was like one of my favorite films. It still is one of my favorite films to this day. Uh, but just the 
the kind of like graphics they had back then for what that time. I mean, that was like before Sandlot came out, that movie was out. And uh, yeah, that movie, that film just brings back memories just because I remember seeing it in the theaters. And I mean, I remember people blown away when we walked out through like, wow, that's that was cool. Sure. Uh, and you mentioned the effects and, and yeah, you take one of, uh, you know, Terminator two, I'm going to say it's the best of the entire series. Uh, I think it's oh, better yeah. than, than the first one. Uh, if only for the effects, Robert Patrick, uh, as the T 1000 with the liquid transitioning, uh, yeah. it, it's amazing. And, and even the newest film, dark fate, uh, where they have like an evolution of that character, where the, the Melty can go off the exoskeleton and form its own thing. Like, it's a cool yeah. effect, and it looked good, but nothing as good uh, as, you know, Terminator 2 for the time that it came out. Uh, yeah. And I remember... Now they're, I never, they're kind of overdoing it now, it feels like, with, with the amount of things that Terminator can do, like the, the, the evil Terminator can do. It's like, come on, like, the body comes off and forms another Terminator. It's like, come on. Yeah, like, that, yeah. that at least seems somewhat realistic, like, you know, he can melt and, and uh, I seem more realistic. It's just yeah, overdone now. It's, it's just silly with the, uh, with the amount of upgrades that can continuously come from the future uh, that is set in the same timeline. Like, it's not like they're progressing in the <laughs> yeah. future more to where the technology can advance. It's always the same point in the, in the future that they're sending to the past. So, yeah, it, it, it's absolutely silly. But Terminator 2 uh, is a great movie. Uh, you mentioned, though, <clears throat> with uh, The Sandlot, uh, a director that had a great vision. Uh, when it comes to movies and directors, do you have a favorite director you like to lean towards more than others? Uh, I, I love Scorsese. Um, he's got to be probably the best. Sure. What uh, If you had to say your favorite Stanley, Scorsese? Stanley Kubrick. Um, Kubrick's amazing. Clockwork Orange. I mean, his stuff was just so amazing. You know? Sure. Um, for Scorsese, what would uh, if you had to name, you know, two or three of your favorites, what would you say were your top for Scorsese? Uh, Scorsese, I'd probably say, did he direct Raging Bull? Uh, yes, he, he direct, did. Yeah, he did Raging Bull. That. Yeah, I'd probably say Raging Bull. Uh, Raging Bull is great uh, for the fact that De Niro, uh, you know, put on all that weight for the character, uh, you know, with the, the breaking of the noses, everything that went into it. I mean, you take him and Pesci uh, together in a film uh, and you always have a great duo. Have you seen uh, The Irishman yet? I did see The Irishman. That was a great film, yeah. That was uh, a great I, film. I loved it. Um, and I, I watched it primarily just for Pesci. The mere fact mm. that Scorsese bugged him enough to come out of retirement that he's like, fine, I'll do it, I'll do it. Um, yeah. But, My yeah. favorite movie with those two has got to be Casino, though. I love Cas oh. Casino. Is a good one, too. That, that movie was incredible. I absolutely love Casino. Uh, and I'll share this with you uh, as a fan of the film. So I was listening to an interview uh, with Kevin Pollack, who plays the politician in the film. Uh, and when he was in Vegas and they had all the downtime, he got an opening up for the four tops at one of the casinos. And one day when they're in makeup, Rickles comes walking in and goes, oh, I, I see you got an opening for the Four Tops. I'm opening for Sinatra. If you need tickets, let me know. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something Don Rickles would do. <laughs> yeah, and it, Rickles coming and going like, you're working, but I got Sinatra. 
and just just digging it just a little. Uh, did you but, see the? Uh, did you hear about the the Rickles story where he uh, he, he this is when <clears throat> he had met Sinatra before, but they were in a restaurant, and uh, Sinatra had walked in. Rickles was sitting at a table with his date. He was dating, had this date with him. Sinatra walks in. The girl goes, oh, "That's Frank Sinatra." He goes, uh, "Oh yeah, I know, I know." And he goes, he walks over, and he walks over to Frank, and he goes, "Hey Frank, uh, will you come over to the table and uh, and, and just say hi to my girl? She's a huge fan of yours." So he walks. Uh, Sinatra walks over to the table, and he goes, hey, "Hey, excuse me, we're trying to have dinner here." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That and that's yeah. just cl- classic Rickles. Classic yeah. Rickles. Um, oh man, I'm so. I it, one of one of the few comedians uh, that I, I absolutely love that I never really got the chance to see live. Uh, but boy, what I would have. Um, so Scorsese is an amazing director, uh, and he works with some great talent when it comes to actors, actresses. Uh, who are some favorites that you always enjoy watching the works of? Uh, Morgan Freeman. Uh, what else do I like? DiCaprio's great. Sure, um, sure. Uh, Al Pacino. Oh, Pacino. Yeah, I love Scarface. I love Scarface. I'm really sure. Uh, I love uh, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman has done a handful of great films. Uh, I recently read in an interview... Uh, he said the one role that he has never played that he wants to would be the devil. Wow. Well, he did play God, so he did. <laughs> he played God. He played God twice. Uh, but yeah, yeah he, he's the the man has done uh, great things. I absolutely love him uh, in the Batman saga from Christopher Nolan. Uh, him as yeah. Lucius Fox uh, was just, I, I think, a picture perfect. Uh, you know, image of, of Lucius Fox from the, the comics to who she should be on the screen. Morgan Freeman uh, was above and beyond what I what I thought Lucius Fox. What, could what do you think of the casting of the new Batman? Uh, Robert Patterson. Uh, yeah. I think I I'm not one to judge. I'm I've never read. I've never watched Twilight. So I Where have I? no I. So I have, you know, I know everyone talking about him as the sparkly vampire. Uh, but I'm treating it very much like when Heath Ledger got cast as the Joker, everybody automatically shit on it. And it ended up being one of the greatest portrayals of the Joker we've ever seen. Uh, so I'm going to wait for the movie to come out uh, before I can really judge it. Uh, I'm excited to see Robert Patterson's take. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm sad to see Ben Affleck go. Uh, I never saw Justice League, but I saw Batman versus Superman. And I really enjoyed his portrayal of Bruce Wayne and Batman. What about yeah, yourself? Yeah, they shit on him too. Yeah, they shit on him too. They did shit on him, and I really, I really enjoyed his performance. Uh, are you excited for the upcoming Batman movie? I'm excited for any Batman movie. I love Batman. It's probably my fav- favorite character besides Wolverine. Okay. Um, I mean, that's a role that I would love to play as Wolverine. That's like uh, that role is. I mean, that's just the role of a lifetime. Nobody can replace Hugh Jackman. No. Nobody can replace Hugh Jackman, but. Just to play some kind of spinoff of that character would be cool. Sure. Um, who would you say is your favorite uh, Batman of all the, the actors that played Batman? Um, I, I, I'd probably say... Uh, who would I say is my favorite actor that played Batman? 
Um, I don't know. I'd probably say uh, what's some, I can't even I remember the most recent guy's name. I get the guy that did it with Heath Ledger, uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale, yeah. Christian Bale is probably uh, he portrayed. I mean, that movie was just so re- well written. Though that oh, movie yeah. was, it was entertaining. It was like it was realistic. You know, that's what made it so good. It was so realistic. You know, sure. It wasn't like uh, the one with George Clooney where he's driving the Batmobile on that statue. <laughs> Up the side of the statue, <laughs> and the, and they have nipples on the outfits. Yeah, they had nipples, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I don't know. That was Joel Schumacher. Yeah, that was a that was a low point. Um, I've always been a fan uh, of Adam West, uh, but Christian Bale definitely uh, killed it with Christopher Nolan and uh, the series that they had with that. Um, when it comes to movies, uh, do you happen to have a favorite genre? Uh. I like a little of everything. I kind of like a little of everything. Okay. Uh, you know, gangster flicks. Uh, I dig the comic book movies for a while. There was too many of them coming out with not enough variation. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the, not really a favorite genre now. No, that's 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 cool. Uh, it's it's good. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a very eclectic person when it comes to uh, to movies, uh, music, everything in general. I'm pretty wide open. Um, Aside from The Sandlot, you have worked uh, in a, a variety of things, uh, including Saved by the Bell, The College Years, Boy Meets World. Uh, and a story that I'm interested in hearing, uh, you played Polly D on The Eric Andre Show. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not too fond of that, but <laughs> that was the weirdest show I've ever been on. Have you, have you seen that show? I... I am a fan of Eric Andre, which is why I bring it up. Um, yeah. I, I hear, and you'll be able to kind of <laughs> confirm and, or, or back this, uh, I hear that he, he films for just hours with one person to do like a, a five-minute segment. Well, we didn't film for hours, but he keeps the studio at about 110 degrees. So you, uh, when, you, when you walk in, the moment you walk into the studio, it's like sweltering heat. So if you notice, everybody's sweating in that video. Um, it's so super hot. He also has that chair that the guest sits on. He has a um, a device that will poke you in the ass. <laughs> so he presses a button under his desk or something, and it, it literally will like poke you in the ass. So like uh, he didn't do that on the Poly D segment I was on, but if you ever watch the show, like there's other segments where he, you know, guests will be like, "Whoa, what the hell was that?" Uh, <laughs> He, it, it's crazy. And, and he just like, when you meet the guy off camera, he acts nothing like he does when he's on camera. Like it's a completely different person, but he off camera, he's just like a normal calm dude, but on camera, he becomes insane. Sure. Um, but um, yeah, that was fun to film. Cause I met uh, Andy Samberg backstage and I met Lupe Fiasco backstage and Andy Sam, I thought Andy Samberg was like really tall. And I'm not the tallest guy. I'm like probably like 5'10", but Andy Sandberg was like the same height as me. And uh, he was cool as hell, though, Andy Sandberg. He was really, really nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, going, uh, going back just to Saved by the Bell, Boy Meets World, uh, two, two great shows. Uh, were those things that, that you basically uh, got from the Sandlot, or were those processes that you had to audition for and go through a full process? Oh no! Everything I did, I, I auditioned for. So uh, 
after Sam, I mean, Sandlot made it a little easier because then you have credit, a credit of that significant under your belt. So, you know, when we, when we audition for stuff, it's a little bit different because it's like, okay, this kid's done Sandlot. Um, but, uh, I mean, I was a, as a kid, I was a good actor. I was always training. I was always doing something. Um, I was in, you know, dance classes. I was in singing lessons. Um, Say by the Bell was cool because I watched that show when I used to come home from school. And then two weeks later, I was like on the show. And I was like, this is awesome, man. And like seeing the guys from the show and, uh, and Boy, Meets, Boy Meets World had just recently started. So I didn't really see Boy Meets World. Sure. Uh, I'd never really seen any episodes of it when I got it. Um, that was a fun show to work on, though. And the, the crew was really cool. You know, it was Halloween when I shot the show. So like Ryder Strong, who, who plays uh, uh, Sean, he was like, cool as hell he dressed up as the joker and we were like dressing up in costumes and stuff off camera and yeah, that was a fun show to film that's awesome i actually shot that's... that with uh the shermanator if you notice in the first episode where topanga's and he's an extra in that song. oh i'll have to uh look that up uh because <clears throat> i want to say boy meets world uh the entire collection is on uh the disney network now they have a, a bunch of stuff with that uh, so that'll be something interesting to check out. Uh, and Saved by the Bell must have been fun, uh, just being able to uh, kind of antagonize uh, uh, Mario Lopez and give him a little bit of a hard time uh, in the episode. Uh, for those of you that don't know the episode, you you give him and his girlfriend a hard time uh, while they're in a like an arcade, I believe. Yeah, well, we play like a bunch of street kids, so I'm like the leader of the street kids, and and uh, uh, they it's a Thanksgiving episode, so like they're having all these kids over for thanksgiving and i'm just like this like loudmouth shit talking kid and uh they had a bunch of celebrities like come on the show like uh this was when jonathan brandis was still alive he was on the show he was like the nicest guy ever like just the coolest guy that i hung out in his dressing room for a couple hours i was just like a, a kid you know um, and he was like uh he was doing magic tricks and stuff huh. uh, yeah and uh who else was on that show brian austin green and they had a lot of like 90 stars show up sure. for that episode. Um, it's funny too, because I actually went roller skating with Screech after the episode was over. We went to a roller rink and then I left my backpack by accident. My mom had to go pick it up uh, at his house. Um, huh. So that was, uh, yeah, they were cool. They That's were cool. Awesome. It, it's, it's funny because I saw them when I was, I saw them recently about two months ago. A, we did a signing in, in Houston, Texas, and uh, it was like a 90s signing. And so they had like Urkel there and or Jaleel White, and they had uh, Ralph Macchio. They had uh, Carmen Electra. Uh, they had Mario Lopez and um, Mark Paul Gossler. So I saw those guys as an adult, and they're like, uh, I'm like, hey, you guys remember me? I was on your show like back in the early 90s. And they're like, nah, we don't even remember what we did last week. <laughs> <laughs> I said, remember that episode when I was like talking shit? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, what's up, man? And uh, yeah, it was cool seeing him again. That's awesome. That's, that's, uh, that's funny. Uh, when it comes to working on so many uh, projects uh, at, at such a youthful age, uh, being a, a teenager, uh, who were some of your crushes? Did, uh, were any of your, your co-stars you have a little crush on? 
Because, uh, I mean, I'd have a thing for Wendy Pfefferman. I still have a thing for Wendy Pfefferman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny because we saw her, too, last uh, – was it last year? Yeah, it was last year we did a signing in Philadelphia. And she, she was part of the signing. And she's like, oh, my God, you guys are all grown up. I'm like, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, definitely her. Probably Danielle Fischel, who played Topanga. Because uh, me and her were on the first – I was on the first episode that she was on and she wasn't even going to be a regular on that show. She was just going to be a day player like me. And she ended up, they ended up like, Oh, let's make her the girlfriend. Um, but I did a lot of episodes. I think I did three episodes of that show. That's awesome. Um, who else did I have a crush on back then? Man, there were so many hot girls back in the nineties. Tiffany, sure. Anderson, Kelly Kapowski. That's, that's a, a big answer that comes around a lot is Kelly Kapowski. Um, yeah, yeah. Those are those are some good ones. Uh, and the mere fact that that you you were you were able to work with them. I mean, a lot of a lot of you know the people I talk to, they're mere crushes because they just watched them on TV. And you had the chance to interact and and talk with them and see them, and that's just that's just great. Um, yeah. With the with this Wex one, uh, we go in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, do you happen to remember the first movie that gave you nightmares? First movie that gave me nightmares. Probably Fire in the Sky. What is that one? You've never seen Fire in the Sky? I have never seen Fire in the Sky. Oh, wow. So it's, uh, it's supposedly based on a true story about an alien abduction that happened in, um, I think it was in Arkansas, um, back in like the uh, early 80s, or the, or, yeah, the early 80s, uh, right. about a guy that was, uh, he was abducted, and he was returned a couple days later with like no, with, with um, no knowledge of where he was. But during the show, he has these flashbacks of being in the alien spaceship. And so like, it's based on a true story, which is scary. And then they put like this plastic skin over his body. And uh, when it comes to me, I'm not really afraid of a lot of things. I'm not afraid of clowns. I'm not afraid of stuff. But when it comes to aliens, like that shit scares the hell out of me because I believe we can't be the only intelligent life in the universe. Sure. And, uh, you know, if aliens do come down one day, you know, you, you don't want the plastic skin. Yeah. I don't want that. And then it was just, cra- you got to watch the movie. They put a drill in the guy's nose and it's crazy. Cool. All right. So when it comes to fire in the sky, the follow-up question, I always like to ask who introduced you to this. Was this a parent? Was this a babysitter? Was this a, a friend? Do you remember how you uh, watched this one? Uh, I watched it. I mean, I heard about it and then it it probably came out in 1994. Uh, and I was watching it out of V on a VHS tapping VHS tape in my mom's uh, bedroom. Um, cause I was like, knew I was going to be scared uh, cause it's aliens. Sure. And then I watched it and I was like, I was like, Oh my, I had nightmares for like days thinking about like the experiments, the aliens did on the guy. And it was, it was, uh, so this yeah, was a scary. tape that this was a tape that was just readily available to you in your household. Yeah, I mean we rented it back then. You could rent oh, okay. movies, something called a video store. <laughs> back back from either a blockbuster or warehouse because back in the '90s Hollywood yeah. video didn't exist. Yeah, that's true. That you is true. A place rent a video, which is that was fun you know, back then. Uh, one of the best jobs I ever had. I worked at Blockbuster for like three years, uh, and yeah. it was just. That and movie theaters uh, are, are, are great. 
Um, but uh, there are two ways to take this next question. A film that you have that you can watch once, you never have to watch it again. Whether that being the film is so impactful on your life that you never have to watch it again, or it is so bad you never have to watch it again. You can take it either way. So bad that I never have to watch, uh, or so impactful. I mean, I would say bad is Birds of Prey. I don't want to watch that again. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, impactful. I'm trying to think of a film that was impactful to me. I mean, there's been so many films that have been impactful to me. Sure. Uh, uh, the, pri the prime example that I like to give, and this is for me, uh, just to, I mean, not to, it's kind of to set a tone, uh, but American History X. I think American yes. History X is a movie that you can watch once. You mm. never have to watch it again in your life because it's it's that impactful. Yeah, I've watched that movie a couple times actually. It's an it's uh, an intense movie. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it was intense and uh, yeah, it definitely it hit home about racism in America and uh, uh, yeah, and, I, I, and, I and speaks to truths that that we can still talk about today, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy, man. It's, it's crazy what kind of world we live in. I mean, yes. it seems almost like it's gotten worse. Uh, but, yeah, that movie was definitely impactful to me. I'm trying to think of another one that I saw that was impactful. I mean, Shawshank Redemption is always, every time I see that movie, I, I have a tear in my eye at the end part where he says, and I got to see my friend and he's at the beach, and when he finally sees him at the end, I'm always like, <laughs> Yeah. I always like get a little emotional during that scene. Sure, but uh, Shawshank is a, is is a great film, and that's a film uh, that that you can definitely watch more than once. It is a little bit oh, of a longer of a film. I got it. Oh, Rocky, Rocky. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Rocky's that's definitely a movie I could I could. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to watch. It. It's I could never see it again though, right? Uh, well, it's it's not that you can never see it again. It's essentially like, like I've had a guest say Martyrs, which is a French film about girls that, um, that, that torture men. Uh, I've had uh, a guest say, say the animal with Rob Schneider. Um, but I think of, I think like, uh, as the, the previous four mentioned, um, uh, I already forgot it. Uh, but also there will be blood. Uh, I think is a film that you can watch once and you don't have to watch it again. Seven is a film that I think you can watch and never have to kids just film, you know, films like that, like films that have a, a strong message with them. Uh, take I'd probably it say the, Re the Revenant. I could watch that one. I mean, that was an impactful film as far as uh, what kind of movie it was. I could watch that once and never watch it again. Sure. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. a, a question I, I, I uh, like to ask, uh, are you a fan of back to the future? Yeah. Love back to the future. Excellent. So, uh, this pertains just to back to the future, not, not the other ones, unfortunately, uh, in the eighties, when Marty is uh, about to go back in time, Goldie Wilson is mayor. Uh, when he goes mm -hmm. back to the 1950s, Goldie Wilson is cleaning up the local malt shop and Marty says, you're going to be mayor someday. Does Goldie Wilson become mayor from his own destiny or does Goldie Wilson become mayor because Marty goes back in time and puts the idea in his head? Probably because Marty put the idea in the head, in their head. 
There you go. <laughs> it's a it's a good it's a good. Did quick, I get it right? <laughs> It's it's uh, it's there. There are multiple answers. It's it's really what it's it's kind of a eye of the beholder question. Um, before uh, we had these crazy quarantine times and movie theaters were uh, open, uh, did you go to the movies? Do you go to the movies a lot in the theaters? Yeah, yeah, I do. <clears throat> I didn't. I don't go a lot anymore. Um, I I kind of like watch them at home. But uh, if it's a certain movie like. Uh, I saw both the Creed movies because I'm a huge fan of Rocky. I watched those in the theaters. Um, I had to see like Creed two where he, you know, Dolph Lundgren's in it, Ivan Drago and and his uh, kid. Yeah, and his kid. Uh, I think they could have made that a little better. Uh, I, I did enjoy that movie. Though. That was a great film. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I go to the movies still. So, okay, yeah. I'll, so the question uh, would be. Uh, do you remember the last movie you saw in the theater? Last movie I saw in the theater was, uh, what is the last movie I saw in the theater? Uh, trying to think what the last movie I saw in the theater was. It was at the Grove in Los Angeles, but I'm trying to think exactly what it was. Obviously it wasn't memorable because I don't remember it. Sure. Uh, and that's, that's all right. If you can't remember it, uh, it's, it is a question I did. I did spring on you. It's not a, a previously listed question. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can, um, yeah. I don't know. Can't no, that's, that's all. That's, <laughs> that is all right. I do not mind. Uh, with that, we do come to uh, our final question, uh, a movie recommendation for the listeners, a movie that you love that you think the listeners should check out. Something that they might not have seen. Sure. Sure. Um, Requiem for a dream is a great film. I don't know if your listeners have seen that. That's a uh, a lot of people haven't a, seen that. I'm like, you got to see Requiem for a Dream. That's a, uh, it's trippy as fuck. That is a movie that you could watch once and probably never have to watch again. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen that movie numerous times. I, I, love, oh, I like that movie. It, it is that, it is a uh, painful to watch though. It, yes, yeah, yeah. I uh, that is uh, that's a good one, uh, and uh, I, I like it. It's a good recommendation. So Requiem for a Dream, uh, and with that. Uh, we come to uh, the finale of the show. Where can people find you online? Uh, what projects do you have that you might have been doing that have been put on hold? Uh, so you can catch me on Instagram. I'm mostly going to Instagram. I don't even, I'll be honest. I don't even know how to use Twitter, <laughs> even okay. though I'm on there. Uh, but Instagram, Marty underscore York. Uh, Twitter, real Marty York. And then Facebook, Marty York. I'm still one of the only people that still use Facebook, I guess. Um, I just shot a movie called Super Boys. It's, uh, it's kind of a little campy B movie, but it's, uh, it's uh, the director's doing big things. And he had a, um, a film on Amazon called Lost and Found, which is a great film about dog rescue. Uh, so Super Boys, we were actually supposed to do the premiere two weeks ago, go to the premiere of it, but it got canceled because of this. Sure. Um, uh, I have a film called Do Justice. I'm going to be shooting fairly soon, uh, playing a boxer. Um, and I don't know, you can check out uh, some commercials I've done. I did a really funny Old Spice commercial. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this one. It's called Executive Spray Tan Parties. Um, I don't know if I've seen that one. You've seen the crazy Old Spice commercials, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this one is... Uh, if you go to YouTube, executive spray tan parties, 
uh, it's a really funny. I shot it with the guy, the Isaiah Mustafa, who is the uh, the black guy that sits on the horse. And uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was in uh, it too, and yeah, he played yeah, Mike. Was, yeah, so that's that's a funny commercial I was in. Okay, and uh, yeah, the majority of stuff I've been doing lately is commercials. Really, it's uh, the entertainment industry is kind of slow. <clears throat> but um yeah i'm working on some stuff i actually um am writing a script about my life or have there's a script writer that is writing a script about my life there's a company called west coast multimedia that is is uh helping to get produced um but it kind of goes over things that you know i've been in some crazy stuff i was in a bad car accident when i was 17 which kind of ended my um my acting career at the time because uh, at the time i was going like this you know Sure. And uh, I got in a 60 mile an hour head on collision, broke my both my legs, <clears throat> shattered my femur, had a partial hip replacement, uh, had to relearn to walk again. I was at a hospital for about uh, three months and then I uh, was in a wheelchair for about a year. Uh, doctors said I was going to die when I first arrived. Uh, uh, it's pretty crazy. It's uh, it's like almost like an underdog story of coming back. Sure. I, I learned about fitness actually while I was in the hospital um, from physical therapists and stuff. So that's what that's what kind of launched me into fitness and uh, just some of the stuff along the way. It's it's I mean I've got a crazy life story. So hopefully that gets produced and uh, and yeah, it'd be cool to get that maybe to Netflix or you know a streaming service or something. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, with that, uh, we come to. Uh, the final bit uh, here at the last podcast you'd want, we try and keep a PMA, a positive mental attitude, especially during these crazy times. Do you have a message of positivity or a personal mantra that you would like to leave with the listeners? Yeah. Well, first, I want to just thank everyone on the front lines of this COVID-19 thing. You know, the, the, uh, the firefighters, the police officers, the people working the cash registers at the supermarkets, people still driving Uber in these times. Uh, people, you know, delivering food to your house because uh, they're, you know, they are obviously the nurses in the hospital that are risking their lives. Uh, you know, I mean, I've seen so many sad stories of nurses just at their wits end in hospitals helping um, COVID-19 patients and, and are afraid to get it and bring it back to their families. Sure. So thank you so much to all those uh, frontline workers. And as far as positive positivity, I would just say uh, to everyone out there, this is not a period in time. It's just a comma in time. So I would uh, I would say don't think this is the end all of it's not it's not you're most likely not going to die. Um, but I would just say keep your hopes up. We'll, we'll get we'll be back to normal life soon. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, Marty. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. And until next week, tip the veal, try the staff. I'll see you then. Ever wonder how your buddy got those exclusive wrestling superstar action figures? Finn Balor or even that Ric Flair autograph 8x10 photo that you can't find in stores? Chances are they came from pro wrestling loot. Professional wrestling's most unique and fan-friendly monthly subscription box. 
Pro Wrestling Loot customizes a five to seven item mystery box for wrestling fans that includes exclusive t-shirts, action figures, collectibles, trading cards, pins, autographs, and more that you can't find anywhere else. Today, for all of our last podcast you'd want listeners, we have a deal for you. Just head over to ProWrestlingLoot.com and enter the promo code LASTPODCAST to check out to save 20% off your first box with Pro Wrestling Loot. With over 20,000 followers online and presence at some of the biggest conventions in the United States, including WrestleCon and StarCast, Pro Wrestling Loot just isn't a business. With ties to indie, mainstream, lucha libre, American, and European pro wrestling, Pro Wrestling Loot is always sending out the most unique items with you in mind over the last five years. Sign up today at ProWrestlingLoot.com for just $24.99 and start receiving your monthly Pro Wrestling Loot box. Plus, for a limited time, enter code LASTPODCAST and receive 20% off your first box. Pro Wrestling Loot, for the fan in all of us. Thanks for coming to see our show. Sad to tell you we've got to go. Grab your hat and head for the door. Like a show, tell everyone but If you think it's great, keep your big mouth shut